and welcome to Burkham Wonderland, an Arsenal podcast. Apparently, Twitch won't let me have the username for this podcast. Fuck off, Stan, so I might have to go and change it. So I'm going to go and put a couple of little stars in there because the poor, precious little people at Twitch don't like it. There we go. Done it now. Yes, well, it was going to be four of us tonight, but then Chris put in a sneaky little message saying, uh, the pirate Chris, that is in, can't make it. I'm busy running away from a lion. Uh, we all know what the real problem was, don't we, Carly? He was listening to Nickelback trying to put on some of his uh, tight, tight, tight leatherette trousers, and uh, I think he's had an accident, don't you? Uh, more than an accident. Uh, Danny, they're not supposed to know I'm here. Oh, yeah, it's live, isn't it? Let's just say, have you seen a Friends episode where Ross wears leather trousers? He has a very bad accident. I think that's happening to Chris right now. Sad times. It's, uh, so to replace the Chris, Carl, we've gone and got another Chris, who I said, uh, I thought you'd been on it before. Chris, by the way. I better spells his name properly for a start. That's always a good sign. It's uh, Chris Suburban Gruner. All right, Chris. Hello. Um, I'd like to now be referred to as Legacy Fan Number One Three Five Zero Nine Eight Zero. That's Legacy Fan One Three Five Zero Nine Eight Zero because I am not a human anymore. I am literally a wallet. A wallet to be emptied out into the drawers of some guy in Colorado in, on a ranch. Exactly that. It's like I always used to say. When uh, the new way at Arsenal, as soon as we got the new stadium, was shut the fuck up, come in, sit down, get up at half time, pay through the nose for shit you don't want. And then uh, at the end of the game, fuck off in an orderly queue, don't make any noise, go home. That's it. We've uh, we've all become a number. No longer are we human beings, Carl. Absolute shambles. Uh, Carl, so the um, Twitch is still being a twat. It's not letting me do it. You know what, Twitch, you can you can go and stick it up your ass. I don't care about Twitch. So if anyone was going to watch on, well, they don't know, like, it isn't working. Um, Carl, we, uh, tonight's show was is going to be, uh, we're going to cover the Fulham game. What was the result, Carl? It was 1-1, Danny. Excellent. Right, Chris, so we were going to cover the Slavia game. What was the result? Uh, I believe that was 4-0. Excellent. Right, that's out of the way. Let's move on to uh, those fucks trying to ruin football, Carl. <laughs> uh, what, what did you? What was your initial thoughts when you saw it? Because, uh, yeah, go on, initial thoughts. Where do you think, who do you think was doing it and where do you think it was coming from? They couldn't have announced it at a worst possible time, personally. We had just drawn with Fulham 1-1, uh, where I think our Fulham should have beat us, to be honest. Let's be honest, that game, we were absolutely atrocious. So during the game, you started getting little leaks. Um, obviously, the, the news source, that is Twitter, that's where everyone gets their news from. People started saying how there's going to be a Super League. But we've heard all this before, haven't we, Like. You heard about, oh, there's going to be a Super League with all European teams, but everyone just kind of like, oh, whatever, in it, like, um, we move, no one really cares. And then this, the it's, the rumours start getting a little bit stronger. And when there's certain journalists and certain football accounts that start tweeting it, you then start thinking, oh, what, what's going on here? Like, what the hell's going on? And then the news come out that, all the clubs released their pre-prepared statements that they were joining the Super League, um, leaving the Premier League. Well, initially, they didn't want to leave the Premier League. They wanted to still play in the Premier League, but play this Super League um, with 12 founding members, uh, six from England, um, two from, I believe it was two from Spain, no, three from Spain, uh, and three from Italy. Um, first of all, I was like, what? Because I didn't know what they're talking about. I was like, what the hell is this? Like, this is just ridiculous. And then I started reading more and more into it. And then I was like, what the hell? Like, how can they just decide this? Like, 
with like no consultation, no involvement from anybody, just literally just announced that we are now going to play in some elitist Super League. Um, and that's just it. And first of all, you're thinking, what the hell? Like, why would Arsenal do this? Now, I look, I, I laughed because <laughs> I think of Arsenal in a Super League when they just drew with Fulham 1-1 at home and they're 10th in their own league. Arsenal don't deserve to be in any sort of Super League, let's be right. honest. And it was annoying, like, because Arsenal are known for meant to be a, a club that are full of values, a club that loves its supporters, a club that, you know, uh, the gentleman sort of supports. And there's no gentleman left in Arsenal. Since we've been taken over, um, there's definitely no gentleman left on that board at all. Um, for me, it was absolutely repulsive. Just what they did. If, if Arsenal were top of the league and flying high, you can understand. But this was all about money. Always has been about money. Like, and I understand that we'll, we'll get into this later about the money properly, but we are owned by a billionaire. Not a millionaire, a billionaire. Like, people don't understand how much a billion dollars and or pounds are. It's absolutely, it's astronomical amounts of money, just ridiculous amounts of money. Now, we all know that Stan Kroenke uh, invested in Arsenal uh, to make money. You know what? He's a businessman. Fine. From his point of view, that's him. But we have an affiliation at Arsenal with this club. It's a club that we love. We decided to support this club through thick and thin, through us going unbeaten in the season to us ending up 10th where we are right now. And it's a shame that we have an owner that doesn't care. For me, it was... My mind has changed so many times about this Super League. Now, let me get this... I won't, I'll say it now, I'm happy it's not happening. I'm very happy it's not happening. But there's more of a problem there. It's not just the owners. It's Sky, it's BT, it's UEFA, it's FIFA. There's, there's a load, there's a whole load of problems that we'll get probably get into today. But it was wrong. On all levels, it was absolutely wrong. And just the timing of it and the way it came out was all wrong. Now, these people pay hundreds of thousands of people to manage their PR for them. And the fact that the PR was handled so badly, for me, was absolutely wrong. Well, when the news came out on Sunday night, I'll be honest, the feeling that I had was I was hollow. I felt hollow inside because I have been supporting Arsenal since I was about six, seven years old when friends, uh, a couple of my mates, their dads supported Arsenal. They all turned up, we turned up to football training and they're all wearing Arsenal kits. And I'm quite interested in finding out about, well, what's this team? And so I then find out a little bit about it. And you start learning about the history and the values and the traditions that, that Carl was talking about there. And it felt like overnight, it felt like overnight, even the lip service that KSC have played with regards to Arsenal and being a custodian of the club, those actions are not, they're not the actions of a custodian of the club to me. A custodian of a club is somebody that recognises that I'm only on this planet for a certain period of time. This organisation, this entity has existed before me. It will exist after me. And so it's just my job to keep it in a fit and proper state. And that wasn't the actions of a custodian to me. It was 
the actions of greed. Um, and I wrote a piece about it at the beginning of the week saying, um, you know, greed has a new face and it is the face of, of KSE. I think what I found depressing is that it almost it was like the the veil of uh, the veil has finally been sort of lifted from my eyes so to speak with regards to KSE now I've always I've never really liked KSE I've never really trusted them however I made them I was under the misapprehension about four or five years ago when one of the latest rounds of uh, the TV sponsorship rights or the, the rights from Sky, whatever it was, bought up. I thought to myself, what KSC are going to do is they're going to hold on until these rights come up. They're, when the share price is at its peak, they'll then sell Arsenal. That became clear that wasn't going to happen. And I've always sort of in the back of my mind wondered why. And I think what we've seen this week is the reason why. That was their end game. And turning this situation into a nfl style no relegation super league was absolutely their end game when josh Kroenke talked about being excited we all thought he was talking about transfers or the future of the club i almost am in no mind in my head he was talking about this moment be excited because we are going to be in a closed door shop with no competition with very little chance of winning any trophies um, but we're going to make lots of money and we'll have the occasional superstar. That's kind of my initial impressions. Yeah, that is weird. I'd, I've always wondered why the hell that he bought it. We all know that he, he bought the club via using loans, didn't he? And I thought it was just one of those things, like when you're playing a game of Monopoly, you don't intend to go and live on Old Kent Road, do you? You just buy it because you can and it makes your whole portfolio look better. It means you're worth more money. And, and the value of football at the moment is one of the most popular things in the world. And clubs are going to keep going up and up in value. And if you do what he does and you don't put any more money into it, you just keep taking money out or the 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 the, the, the property, the the stuff the club, the ground, the team, everything's going to be worth more and more money. And plus then you've got that thing that Fife used to always talk about, that amortisation thing where you think you've bought Ozil for 40 million, you let him go, you haven't lost 40 million, you've written all that off to tax or most of that off to tax. But then other things you think, well, do you, do they really know what they're doing? Because if only, I mean, Chris is in the top right-hand corner, isn't he, Carl? Um, I'd like to ask Chris, uh, with the Pepe thing, did he even think Pepe is worth 72 million? For, for me, that was the first sign that I thought, hold on, Something's going wrong here. People don't know what they're doing. They've employed stupid people to do stupid jobs. First one was the massive Urzel wages, and then it was the Pepe one, and then it was the massive Young wages. And you're thinking, well, even I know you shouldn't run a company like that, Carl. It's absolutely ridiculous. So uh, my, my main thought about it was, I'm going to wait and see. That's what, part of the reason we didn't rush into doing a podcast. Uh, Tom did some really good ones. The hybrid squad did Mike and... Uh, and Andy, I think Andy turned up for one of them for five minutes. And all, all of our friends and, and Craig's lot, they did did a few pods. I was listening to all of them a lot. And I thought, I'm not sure if I really want to rush into a pod at the moment because I'm not sure, sure what, what I think of it. And even now, I keep thinking, I did a tweet earlier today where I said, when a magician is, uh, this won't work for people listening at home on the toilet or in the bus. When you're a magician, he'll have something. And he'll be doing this, distracting you with that hand. And as he's distracting with that hand, he'll take your watch with the other hand. And that's what I'm expecting to happen. This seems to have gone too big, too quick, and co collapsed too quickly for it to be as simple as that. There's got to be some kind of 
other um something else going on at the same time it may well be that they are just trying to get a better deal out of the uh, the uefa for the champions league or get more spots because someone in our group today carl they put seventh place might get you the champions league now if they reorganize yeah, it so there's a new proposal for the champions league now anyone who hasn't seen it i can read it out to you because i've got it on my um yeah go on on my twitter oh. so um Danny, do you know what? I'll pull I'll pull this to you, and so you can put it on the uh, in the chat thing. Oh, I'll, look I'll, at us! Yeah, he's there, but he's a prick. Hashtag fuck Ellis, by the way. Um, everyone, just remember that. I know we love really. This for you. We, we love him really. Um, so, uh, Danny, the GFP. I've added you, Danny. So you uh-huh. can see what I'm talking about. So the new format of the Champions League is going to be 36 teams instead of 32. Um, there's a new spot for elite clubs that failed to qualify. So by elite clubs, they mean people with high coefficient ratings. Now, people know, I'm not going to teach you not how to suck eggs. Everyone knows what a coefficient rating is, but those who don't. A coefficient rating is what you get from UEFA Depend on depending on how you've done during that season. Most coefficient ratings are based on your run in a European competition. So Arsenal get into the final of the uh, sorry, Arsenal get into the semi final of the um, Europa League. Their their coefficient rating will go up and up and up. And if we get to the final, it will go up. And if we win it, it will be even higher. Obviously, the Champions League holds more weight than the Europa League. So if we win the Europa, but like a team gets to the final of the Champions League, I believe their coefficient rating is higher than ours because obviously the, the um, Champions League holds more weight. Um, apparently, it's not going to be groups. It's going to be one big league. Kind of, like the, you know. Sounds um, familiar. <laughs> exactly. So it's going to be one big league. Um, and then the top eight, um, they reach the knockout rounds. And then it goes through, obviously, um, knockouts. Um, other teams qualify through new playoff, um, new round of playoffs. How that round of playoffs goes, no one knows. Um, and every club is guaranteed 10 games. So that's 10 games of revenue that they're going to get. So it's, for me, it seems that everything that's in the, that they want the European Super League to have is exactly the same as this. Team, it's going to be one big league, so basically you're going to play everyone. So, and I'm assuming that's going to be home and away. No, yeah, it should be home and away. How they're going to decide this, I have no idea. This is just a, a, a pie in the sky idea from UEFA. Um, basically, they're trying to hold because these elite teams or whoever the, the people who perceive that they think they're elite. Um, they want to be in the big European competition. So that's just a light of a way of getting the likes of Arsenal, who could finish ninth, could be in the Champions League, uh, sorry, could be in the Europa League final and still be in this new Champions League. Liverpool could potentially finish seventh, but because they have a, a higher coefficient rating than, say, I don't know, Leeds or West Ham or Aston Villa or Leicester, Leicester could miss out on the Champions League, even though they finish higher than Liverpool in 
the the league, which is absolutely stupid. This is another way of your way for pandering to big clubs because they know that this fight is not over. The fight of um, the top elite clubs, I say the word elite, but you can't be 10th in your league and be elite. As we know. Yeah. And this is just a way of trying to keep them happy. It really is. So do I agree with this? No. The Champions League is not really the Champions League anymore, is it? Like, I'm from an era where, wasn't it the top three and then it went to top four? And that was it. It was simple as that. But now you're getting all these back doorways of getting these um, clubs that think they're really in just so to keep them happy. So what have we really changed? Well, what are all of this, Chris, now I'll come to you. What In this new Champions League format, what's changed? Well, what we've got here is a Super League that is under a different guise, but actually, more importantly, from UEFA's perspective, they have more control over it. And that's where, that's the, dif- the difference here is that the reason why the 12 clubs wanted to break off is because they effectively saw this and thought, why don't we just cut out the middleman in UEFA here and run this ourselves? We will collectively bargain with a streaming service or um, a broadcaster. And instead of sharing the big pot of money, let's, I don't know how much it is, how much the Champions League uh, money is in total, but let's just say for argument's sake, it's 500 million pound the UEFA has that they dish out to all of the different clubs. Well, under this, under this Super League, the 12 clubs have said, well, we could get that 500 million pounds between 12 of us as opposed to between 30 odd teams or whatever it is. So that's why they've done that. This is a land grab, um, a financial land grab driven by, um, I believe, the American owners uh, of uh, some of the football clubs, of which we are one, to, as I, as I already said, to essentially create an NFL style uh, Super League, which mitigates their own risk because they don't need to worry about you know, relegation and the loss of finances as a result, which is why you've got the likes of Kroenke, who's been rumoured to be so heavily invested in this because he's seen the value of his asset on the pitch deteriorate uh, through um, partly his own mismanagement, the KSE's mismanagement, their inability to put a good football administration uh, team in at Arsenal. And we've seen that decline over the last few years. And he's looked at that and thought, I, I need to stem this tide. So the best way of doing that is to convince other owners. And you've got the likes of, when you look at the debt that Barcelona, Real Madrid and Juventus have racked up, it doesn't surprise me at all that um, Perez, the Real Madrid um, uh, head honcho, and supposedly Kroenke have got very, very close because both of them have seen their assets. I know Real Madrid is a different story because it's not completely owned by Perez because it's um, obviously he's just an elected official, but he's looking at it thinking, we need to recruit money somehow, and this is a guaranteed money earner, which we don't get from UEFA. I'll be interested to get your thoughts though on the conspiracy, both of you guys, the conspiracy theory that UEFA have paid the 12 clubs a big chunk of change uh, just to cancel this, uh, this Super League. Have you guys heard that? I haven't, but for me, um, you don't get funding from someone like JP Morgan 
without it being very, very, very close to happening. Because JP Morgan would have wanted assurances that this was going to happen. JP Morgan are not a company that put their names and stuff willy-nilly and dole out money like that. Now, I think, what was it, 4.2 billion? They were looking to shell out to fund this thing, I believe, or something like, something like about 4.2 billion. JP Morgan are not stupid. They're not going to just going to give that money out. So I said, I think I said in one of our groups, Danny, that I said, I very much doubt this was going to happen. Something was always going to come and sort of mess it up. This is a power play by the elite clubs. And I hate using that word. It's going to annoy me all night to use that because no one in elite. You can't freaking put that lot up the road and call them elite. How they, how the fuck they snuck in again is another mystery to me. But again, um, he's just mad. But um, it was a power play. It was literally those 12 clubs going to UEFA and saying, we want more money. UEFA probably said no. So they were like, okay, no worries. We're just going to leave and make our own league and be funded by a- another entity. Um, Chris, it doesn't, it wouldn't, I don't know. I haven't heard those rumors that they've been paid off, but it wouldn't surprise me if they did. Like, it wouldn't surprise me, UEFA are so corrupt, if they just said to each club, here's X amount, whatever X is, I don't know. But it wouldn't surprise me if they went to X amount because there are clubs that are in trouble. Like you said, Barcelona have, like, was it 1.2 billion debt? 1.2 billion. That is ridiculous. And if you want to know about more finances, go and um, follow Swiss Ramble because he's got some brilliant financial news on his uh, Twitter. But 1.2 billion pound debt with they're not gonna they're not gonna pay that off anytime soon. So let's just say fans are not allowed in the stadium this season. And I can't see that happening because Spain, I believe their numbers of coronavirus are going up. So and obviously they're not as advanced as we are with um, vaccinating their um their people. So Let's just say this is a season that you another season you write off. So they've got no income um, in their stadiums, ticket sales, no, uh, and all the match day revenue that comes along with that. And you're still getting astronaut, you're still paying astronomical wages by um, for all their players, especially Lionel Messi. Lionel Messi at the moment is what the second highest paid player in the world. He's literally draining them and. Barcelona are going to want to keep Messi no matter what. I know he hasn't signed a new contract yet, but I have no doubt that they're going to want to keep Messi, even if it's just for his image rights. Because Messi's image rights must be worth at least a hundred million alone. Like it's just ridiculous. So, and then they're talking about Barcelona talking about trying to buy um, Haaland. Like, and I think I'm sure I read a quote somewhere that Bruce Dortmund said. Finish paying off Dembele first, and then we'll talk about selling to Harlem to you, which actually made me laugh because they still owe money from that. So Barcelona are going to need to sell players. Their assets are players, so they're going to need to sell players. They need to get players off the wage book. So the likes of maybe signing Lionel Messi doesn't look as appetising as it does as it was because you're going to need to. Messi is going to command a high wage, even at thirty-five. I want to say he's thirty-four. 34, 35, I think he is. I can't remember, but he's still going to come out with a high wage. Now, 
next season, you are hoping that fans are back in the stadium. And I hope that Spain's coronavirus cases get under control so they do allow fans. But even if they do, they're not going to allow 90,000 fans into the stadium. That's not, it's not going to go from zero to 90,000. That's, that's not going to happen ever. What they do, they're very silly. But so Barcelona are in trouble, as well as a lot of other European, quote-unquote, top teams we, like I said, and I'll stop in a minute, but we are fund, we are owned by a billionaire and we are the only club in the whole Premier League that hasn't had any investment by our owners. The only club. Now, that is shocking. Everything we've made or everything we've invested into this club has been through the club. No investment whatsoever. So that just shows you the contempt that KSE has for Arsenal. It's all very true. It's all very. Um, someone in a uh, Zaid in here brings up a point. Can someone explain how the scum Spurs are considered one of the elite? Then I did a I did a tweet with this the other day, Carl and uh, Chris. Uh, you both disappeared for nine, but Chris, look at that. English trophies won since in the last twenty years. Man United won. This is English trophies only. Man United won thirteen, seven Premier League, two FA Cup, four League Cup. Chelsea 13, Man City 11, Arsenal 9, Liverpool 9. And then there are a few teams that have won one. Leicester have got one Premier League. Um, Portsmouth and Wigan have got one FA Cup. Blackburn, Birmingham, Swansea and Spurs have got one League Cup. How the hell, Chris, is um, are Spurs included in that? Well, I think we kind of know the answer there. The first bit is you have to look at the rise in the Premier League as a global entity and the rise of the Premier League financially is essentially dwarfing all of the other clubs um, that exist around uh, Europe. And in some instances, the championship gets more money, more revenue in than a lot of some of the, the other sort of national leagues. So what we've seen is uh, clubs in England financially benefiting. And because of that, and because of the product that is the Premier League, and this is where it starts to get really murky and disgusting when we start talking about football as a product and brand and things like that, its global um, footprint has gone through the roof in the last 10, 15 years. And as a result, you've got more and more people that are watching the Premier League and sort of picking sides. And so, like it or not, trophies are almost irrelevant. Because what's relevant is who's got the most money, who's got the most, it almost comes down to who's got the most sort of social media following from a whole raft of clubs across Europe, um, who has the most clout from that perspective. And that's what, that's the sole reason why um, uh, the dirty lot down the Seven Sisters Road have snuck in through the back door here, purely and simply because financially they have. Uh, got the the power and the muscle in comparison to the likes of an Ajax or the internet's gone, Chris. You sound like a robot, but I understand what Chris was saying, Danny. Um, how are they snuck in, I don't know, and they're in trouble as well. There are this Super League not happening. I think they are literally um, a lot of clubs are in trouble now. Our dear, dear, dear friend Steve, for rest his soul, he foresaw all of this. He's the one that said that Tottenham Stadium is going to cost them 
like almost double what they thought it was. And this was before the global pandemic, wasn't it, Danny? So um, this, this Tottenham Stadium has cost Tottenham so much more money, which they thought they were going to claw back in backstay revenue. Well, obviously not now because obviously a global pandemic. Um, they're going to have to sell, again, their biggest asset, which is uh, Harry Kane. They're going to have to sell him with... And especially with Mourinho going and having to pay him off as well, it's <laughs> Tottenham are hemorrhaging money at the moment. Absolutely, just pillaging money. They don't have the revenue bringing in. So, as with all clubs, you have to sell your assets, and your Tottenham's assets at the moment is their players. Harry Kane has already said he wants to leave, and I believe that he's going to have to go. He'll probably go to a Man United or a, I can see him going Man United or even maybe Man City because they're getting rid of Aguero. They're going to need a new striker. Whether Messi comes in, I don't know, but he's definitely going to leave. Now, Tottenham have to make themselves weaker just to pay off some of their debts because I believe they're the ones as well who took out a debt from, uh, sorry, took out a loan from the government and the government are going to want their money back very, very soon. So, again, that is something that they're in trouble for. But the likes of Arsenal, it, it, it was a kick in the teeth to the fans. It, it really was. Um, but I don't believe the fight... I think there's loads more enemies within this whole fight. And it's all good that the, the uh, Super League has been stopped. I think it's, it's a good thing. But the fight is not finished for me. Kroenke doesn't need to be in this club anymore. And whether fan pressure gets him out of this club, nobody knows. He may be one of those people who just doesn't care. He'll shut it off because he knows that as soon as fans are allowed back in the stadium, they're literally going to... They're literally oh, going to... Be in, they're gonna, no, they're going to go back in. They're going to go back in and they're going to, the, the new shirt's going to be released. And oh, also, they're going to buy the new shirts. And they're going to, and as soon as they're, they're allowed back in, they're going to go and buy them burgers. And they're going to go and buy and buy expensive tickets. And they're going to go and do all the stuff that we did before this whole thing happened. And he's not stupid. He's a businessman. So he knows, he knows all of this is going to happen. Yes, there's going to be a few people who are going to t- stick two fingers up and say, I'm never going to return to Arsenal. But for every person who doesn't return to Arsenal, there's someone, maybe one, two or three people who are willing to take their place. And Stan Kroenke knows that. He absolutely knows that there's going to be a time when the the doors are going to open, the new shirts are going to be released and it's going to be back to status quo, unfortunately. Do you know, can I just jump in just for a second on that one? Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the... What I said towards the beginning of the show, where I was talking about his end game, you know, his cards being laid down on the table, being this NFL star, you know, Super League. If that was his end, if that was indeed his end game, then that's the way that he exits. So there's a couple of things. He's got a lot of money that he's paying off for the Ram Stadium. He still owes money. He, if he's been the one that's brokered this with JP Morgan as well, then he's got a, a bit of egg on his face. So if he suddenly has to back out, uh, that's a great graphic you got there, Dan. Uh, I was going to mention that, actually. If he has to back out um, and 
he can't move Arsenal to the LA because let's be honest as well. Another thing, I don't know whether Arsenal fans are aware of this or not. Uh, Stan Kroenke is from Missouri. Uh, the St. Uh, Louis Rams, which is who they were, um, was his local club. Uh, he moved the St. Louis Rams to LA because of the financial implications and benefits. So he, he doesn't care. He's a hated man in his own state because he's moved their their uh, their NFL, their football club. He would have no problems whatsoever. He's got no affinity. He's got no loyalty. He's got no interest in London or England or the UK. He would, without without a drop of a hat, within five to ten years of a Super League, we'd be talking about LA Arsenal. So the way that, in terms of getting him out, going back to your original point, Carl, the way that um, I see potentially the only way Cronky leaving is if this was his end game and now he's not going to make the sort of money he thought he would, added to that, the fact that he's got to repay that however much a billion-dollar stadium um, debt that he's, he's racked up with whoever that is is financing it. So that's the only thing I could see that would stop him. Otherwise, he's sitting on his prized asset. So he'll just keep doing it and keep making money. Is anyone a bit surprised about how quickly this come up from absolutely nowhere? I mean, there's always been rumours of it, but to go on the Sunday night to absolutely nothing, do you reckon somebody leaked it and they went, oh, shit, we better get on top of this because... You don't expect people to start announcing this, especially when there are four English clubs in these the four the two semi-finals of the European competitions, isn't that right? Chelsea and yeah. uh, Man City in one, Arsenal, Man United in the other. And then yeah. you're thinking this is a really, really bad time to announce it. Do you think maybe that maybe there was a leak or somebody forced their hand into doing it? Do you know? Do you know? There's a couple of things I would just say on that. So the first one is: Do you remember? Uh, was it two months ago? Um, where there was talk about these solidarity payments or a way of restructuring, and it was it came out Operation was it Operation Big Picture? I think was the uh, the name of it. That to me stunk of test the water. It's what um, it's what they do in politics, where they they'll leak something to see how it goes down, and then depending on the reaction, they'll then come up with their real plan. It's almost like taking the second hit. So. To me, that big picture was the start of it. And all that's happened here is that they have, and this is where it becomes despicable, they have essentially taken a global pandemic and used it to further their own interests by saying, well, look, we need to do this now. Look at all of the debts that we've got. We've got to we've got to find a way to change this. So that's why we're doing this. We're doing the benefit for the survival of the club. You're doing this for the benefit of your own pockets. Just did uh, just look that up. It's uh, it was in October last year. Project Big Picture proposals: the Premier League cut from twenty to eighteen teams, with the Championship, League One, and League Two all retaining twenty-four teams. So that means two teams will be kicked out of the Football League. Bottom two teams in the Premier League relegated automatically, with a sixteenth-place team joining the Championship in a playoff. That's what they did in the the early no the late nineties when the Premier League went from twenty-four to twenty-two teams. Uh, I think three went down. And then there was a playoff, and I think the, the Premier League team managed to start, win the playoff and stay up. League mm. Cup and a Community Shield abolished. Parachute payments scrapped. Um, Norwich, have, I think it's a common knowledge that Norwich are going to get about £150 million from promotion. Uh, it's the richest tournament in the world getting promoted from the Championship because even if you go straight back down, the parachute payments over the next few years is £150 million-ish. 
And three more points, Carl. A 250 million rescue fund made immediately available to the English Football League and 25% of all future TV deals. That they'll winkle out of that. That'd be a little bit like when they go and build a massive housing estate in, in, in like near my village. I mean, oh no, half half the houses are going to go to people who no, they fucking didn't. Or oh, they just put the price up to 350 grand a house, and uh, cheap housing was fuck all. Um, £100 million paid to the Football Association to make up for lost revenue. I mean, how <laughs> divide that by what? So you've got 92 teams minus, you've got 72 teams. That's about a million pounds. £1 million and 75 pence each. Fucking bullshit. And finally, Carl, nine clubs given special voting rights on certain issues based on their long-term time in the Premier League. Legacy clubs, that sounds like, Carl. <laughs> Again, it's the uh, elite... Uh, it's just it's it was a it was a, a bad power play by these clubs um and it didn't work it it didn't work because i don't think they realized just how much fans didn't like it and whether it was down to fan pressure i don't know if they had held it out maybe a little bit more will people got used to it who knows no nobody knows but there was i think it was much more than just um, the Chelsea not, not letting their team in. I think it was, and then the domino effect was always going to happen, wasn't it? Because once once one team pulled out, you knew it was never going to happen. Um, it was, every other team was, was going to pull out 100%. So for me, it was, <laughs> it just made Arsenal look stupid. It made all those six clubs look absolutely stupid because it was just, what did they think was? I love to sit down with Vinay and Stan and Josh. Um, Cranky that is not the ginger one from our group, and just like ask the question: What, what did you think was going to happen? Like, what, what what did you honestly think that fans were not going to take it lying? Fans were take it lying down. Do you think fans were just going to shrug their shoulders and just be like, "Okay, this is fine. This is just going to happen." It just it stinks of just the elitist clubs thinking that they can get away with everything because apparently they think they're better than everyone else. Now, it, it's a joke. Now, you've got to think about your history. The Arsenal are only in this because of their history, because of the teams before them played better than this shower of shit that we're seeing week in, week out from this squad. So they need to think about that. Think about the history. Think about the history of this club. Think about how they treated their fans, how they done, conducted business. For me, it's, um, I don't know, it, it just reeks. It really, really does. And it's sad. It, it was a sad day on Sunday and Monday. It was a really, really sad day. And I'm not, I'm upset because like the way and another thing just that we, we'll get onto it later but just the way some of these footballers or ex-footballers come out condemning it now they were blaming the players now I believe that the players found out exactly the same time as us fans did so that's going to goes to show you how much cloak and dagger was behind is that not even managers knew now whether they're playing a brilliant game uh, of poker and they actually really didn't know or some of them did and just chose not to admit it. We, we all never know. But if the fact that you're not even going to tell your manager and rumour has it, again, I don't really care. 
But rumour has it that that's the reason why Mourinho got sacked because he refused to take his team out onto the football pitch because of this um, Super League. I don't know. We'll never know. And to be honest, I couldn't give a damn. I, I genuinely, genuinely Didn't couldn't. Didn't Jamie Redknapp's message in our group? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to put it in there. Oh, um, was it? Well done. Yeah. That's really good. <laughs> so, um, yeah, apparently, rumour has it that he got, Marina got fired now because where Tottenham were in the league, they could pay him less money so if he they, if they find him when he was in the top four, it would have been something stupid like seventeen million or whatever it is. And where they are now, they only had to pay him. I say only. I think it was something like six million. Bless him. I know. How's he going to survive? How the hell is he going to survive? Have a whip round. <laughs> yeah, but that's the rumor um, going around apparently. So, but that's neither here nor there. But that's up to them. I, I couldn't really care less about that team to be honest. I hope. Genuinely hope they come out of business, but um, I don't know. It just it just reeks. But Chris, do you think? And I, I know the answer to this. So I'm just playing devil's advocate at the moment. Is there a way back for the Cronkies? What can they do to, if anything, to regain the fans' trust again? I cannot see that. The reason I cannot see that is because there was already distrust of the Cronkies as it was. How many people really believed them when they said be excited, when Josh Cronkey said be excited? How many people know the detail about how the KSC have put basically no input into, into Arsenal? They haven't really, they, they relied on Arsene Wenger for the first chunk of the, of the time that they, they ran the club because they relied on one man to effectively just coast them through and get them the Champions League record. Stan Cronkey is quoted as saying, I didn't get into sports in order to win trophies or win competitions you just don't do that you know this isn't a, this is a guy who is just wants to be a he wants to have a portfolio of sports franchises because of his own arrogance they took five million pound out of the club over a various course, course of time through fees or dividends or, or whatever it is um they've made 400 arsenal is worth two according to forbes arsenal is worth 2.8 billion pound they've made 400 million pound through their shares and so from the Cronkies' perspective, what's also sickening is that they could sell their shares up to the uh, the African guy who's shown interest. Is it Degot or Degot? I can't remember. I don't know how you say, say his name, but he's shown lots of interest um, in, in purchasing Arsenal. They could sell their shares tomorrow and still walk away um, with more money, with more profit. And that's depressing. Uh, they've also forced in Arsenal fans who own shares, one or two shares here or there, they forcibly removed them. They put them. There was a compulsory uh, purchase order, I think, on those shares. This is this is a reprehensible collective of people who have no emotional stake or tie with Arsenal. They have turned up because I think the long game, like I said, was to get uh, probably more money. They originally probably thought it was either through making money through streaming services or uh, through this this Super League, and they have completely destroyed any semblance of credibility with this Arsenal fan base. I was, I've was i been looking through my Twitter feed for the last uh, 48 hours. I do not know a single Arsenal fan that isn't mental. There was like one or two mental, the mentalists that have not said, this is it for Gronky. And 
even this Friday, there's a there's a march, a petition, or, or there's going to be a march uh, for Arsenal fans to meet up at, at KSE. I've already heard and seen a lot of people talking about it. There is going to be a lot of people turning up pre-game, 6pm outside, I think it'll be outside the armory or something like that. And the voices will be heard. And as soon as we get back into that stadium, the voices will be heard again. We have seen a decline in this team, and that's also had an impact. But there is nothing now that the Cronkies can do, I feel, um, to, 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 to reconcile the, the differences. And what really, just as my final point, what really just sums it up is this, this statement. The, open, the, the original statement about the Super League, no Arsenal, no Arsenal uh, representative was quoted. And this, less, this latest statement that talks about, um, as a result of listening to you and the wider football community over recent days, we're withdrawing for the Super League. We made a mistake and we apologise for it. There's nothing from Stan. Like even, even Liverpool's owners, John Henry, has had a little um, uh, highly sort of sanitised and PR uh, PR agency up to the hilt video. You don't get that from Stan or Josh, who was positioning himself as the as the face of it. You know, we know what was so. We know it will take time to restore your faith in what we're trying to achieve here at Arsenal. But let's be clear that this decision to be part of the Super League was driven by our desire to protect Arsenal, the club you love and support the game you love through greater so- solidarity and financial stability. I don't know a single Arsenal fan that will read that and think, no, they're right. They're right. This was about greed. This was about greed for KSE, and that's it. Danny, so sorry. Down. <laughs> no, that's cool. Danny, quick question, because Chris said something that kind of piqued my interest. Now, Chris yeah, said that this... pointed out, men are Chris. Don't be so ridiculous. I thought you'd um, gone full cronky on us. <laughs> he said that... Although the the, um, the protest is going to happen, and people, if you're going to the protest, please be safe. We are still living in a worldwide pandemic, so I'm going to urge everyone: don't take do whatever you, you fuck you, Danny. Um, do everything to be safe, seriously, because you know, again, we're still in our pandemic. But he said that voices are going to be heard. Danny, do you really think that's true? Do you really think that they're going to be heard? Because this is a guy who doesn't come to games. He doesn't turn up. This guy, like Chris said earlier, he's on a ranch in America, probably doesn't even know what's going on. So, or obviously he's been told, but do you really think that if, let's just say, for instance, 10,000, 20,000 people turn up, all chanting, cronky out, we want you to leave, whatever they chant. Do you really think that is going to make him change his mind and set up? You can imagine the situation on his 500 million acre ranch in, in wherever he's got it in Texas. He's sitting there, he's holding his newspaper and, and Josh comes in, Dad, Dad, they're writing at the Emirates. He's, he'll go, all right. Back down to reading his Financial Times. I don't even know if he'd give that much of a fuck. He won't care. He, he has no interest in this club at all. I mean, the amount, I think Chris said it was 2.4 billion the club's worth now. 2.8. Wow. 2.8 billion. Well, there you go. That's why that's why he owns the club. Because that means means he is now worth he's got that 2.8 billion as part of his um his his portfolio, his wealth, his um all of his stuff. That's what he's got, and that's why he's got it. And it's it's never gonna be worth any less money. The uh, hope, I mean, my my hope was that the uh, the Premier League would go full N- NASL. Um just go, I always say this to you people, go on to onto YouTube and uh oh, here we go. Not social, where have I put it? 
I'll find it later. There's, um, I think it's called We Once Were Giants or something like that. It's, the, it's a, a one-and-a-half-hour documentary on the North American Soccer League when they had Beckenbau and Pele and Best and all that lot. And all the American big companies came in, and then they threw a load of money at it in the stadium. There's 70,000 people going to games, and it was the, the, everyone was getting into it, paying players a fortune. And then in the space of about two or three years, the bubble burst, and everybody left. And then those clubs, some of them never recovered. Some of them only ended up playing. They, they had an indoor league, and I'm, I'm no expert on it. But that's the kind of way that I hope the Premier League will go one day, and that's how we'll get it all back. But so long as Sky are gonna, and BT are going to continue to play billions for the for the right to show games, and as long as people continue to pay 60 quid a month, I stopped, I cancelled all of my Sky Sports and BT Sports, cancelled it all three years ago. I've got IPTV, 60 quid a year, every single channel from every single country in SD, HD, and... Uh, and not 4K, what's the one about uh, full, H, full HD? There's three different versions of each one. And you can just see that uh, that's what we need to do. Like I think you were saying, Carl, that they're still going to go in there. People are still going to buy all the new... I'm surprised they don't bring out a memorial training kit, top for, for what's happened this week. People would go and buy that. It could say, have a big fan picture of Cronky on the front saying, I fucked you over. People will still go and buy it and go, oh my God, look at the pastel colours, aren't they great? No. Don't, don't they don't get a single fucking penny out of me apart from last season i bought the purple membership and that's that's all they've had out of me since 2008 and they're not ever getting anything out of me until well i don't i don't even see the day when we'll get our club back until um, and while football is still making money Cronky will still keep this club and he still won't keep giving a fuck because this will be a short-term thing. Do you think if this was the middle of November, people would all be meeting up? There'd be a thousand people meeting up outside the stadium in cold, wet November in the middle of COVID. They wouldn't be doing that. Good luck to them. If you're going to go, like Carl says, be careful, don't breathe on people, wear a mask and behave yourselves. But no amount of protesting is ever going to change. You could have the entire 60,000 people in the stadium all stand up and wave white hankies. He wouldn't give a fuck. The only thing people like that care about is money. And as long as it continues to make money, he won't care. And he'll be here. The yeah, only thing that well, we have, sorry. the only thing was... we have, Dan, is is our voice. That's all we do yeah. have. So we have yeah. to lend, we have to make that noise. It has to be made through any means possible. It means if you go to the stadium, you need to make your voice heard. If you're doing it on Twitter, you need to make your voice heard. If you're writing a blog, if you're doing a podcast, we have to, we owe it. If we truly believe in love in our football club, we owe it to everybody before us and after us to do everything in our power to, to make our voices as loud as we possibly can. Maybe he won't listen, but maybe the government will. Maybe this rumour of this fan ownership might not be a pipe dream. Um, the government surely can do something to write it into to legislation if they really, really wanted to. And if there really, really was the demand of the people then why not? And then look at Carl, look at all the grief that the um, Raj and Gav and all that lot got with the Black Scarf movement in 2012, 13, 14. They, they, they predicted all of this lot. They said it would go this way and they mm. got very, very little support. We supported them. We had them on the podcast. We had uh, Raj still asked him the other day if he was able to come on and Gav's doing a load of stuff on, on Twitter and a load of other people are, and people are getting involved. But more people need to go and, and back them and back those because we know what's going to happen and it's not ever going to get any better, is it? Until something is you do need to hit. You do need to hit them in the pocket. I do agree with you there, Dan. You need to hit them in the pocket and yeah. you need to start making your own protest. And if that means you don't buy a kit, then don't buy the kit. 
that means you don't go to games, then don't go to games. You, everyone's got a choice in this, but you've got to make your stand. The battle lines have been drawn and we've got to work hard as a collective. We've got to be unified, not fighting amongst ourselves. We've got to be unified against this common enemy. And that common enemy is Stan Kroenke and KSE. I, I definitely agree with you. I think Jeff, uh, friend and hello, Jeff. How are you? I seen for ages. Come on, the pod, please. I'm, 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 I wish it was at times. He's, he's but, having um, his lunch at the moment, and I asked him, "What's he having for lunch?" He said, "Avoiding COVID." He, <laughs> Why, Jeff? He, he said that these guys are apex predators in the business world. They don't care unless it devalues his investment. So the only way, oh, John Stone just got turned off. Sorry. Um, the only way to devalue his investment is to stop Arsenal making money. That's the only way and the only way to stop Arsenal making money and it's not through shirt sales because the, the myth of shirt sales is ridiculous. Arsenal have already, Arsenal could sell one shirt and have already been paid for the amount of um, that deal. So it makes a difference if Arsenal sell 100 million shirts or Arsenal sell one shirt. They've already been paid for the entirety of the deal. So it's not even about shirts. It's about other merchandising. So it's about going to the stadium and buying those six pound burgers or those four pound beers or buttons and badges and hats and scarves and things like that. Those are not going to games. Those are the way, that's the way to hit Kroenke in his pocket. Now, I love Arsenal fans. I, I love the, 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 the really smart ones and I love the silly ones like Chris, our pirate. I do. Um, <laughs> so, but the problem is, like I said, let's say you uh, had a season, you've got a season ticket, Chris. Yeah. So let's say you decide, but you're like, Chris, you're saying, right, I'm not going to Arsenal no more. I've had enough. I'm not going. I've, I'm just pissed off. And you said to Arsenal, hello, Mr. Cronky, here's my season ticket back. I'm giving up. Chris, as you know, Arsenal have a season ticket waiting list. So I think it's about 50,000 people or something along them lines. So you give up your season ticket, there's 50,000 people behind you ready to take that um, ticket. And you know for a fact there could be someone who's been waiting for God knows how long, three, four, five years to get um, a season ticket. They're not just going to give it up because if Arsenal then say... Hello, Mr. X. Here's your chance to have a season ticket for Arsenal. Someone is going to take that. So I don't know what the key is. I don't know what the answer is. To hit him in his pocket? Yes. How to hit him in his pocket? I don't know. We could say stop buying merchandise. We could say stop going to the game. Stop buying stuff on match days. Yes, all of that. But Arsenal, as they're a collective, that's going to come together and say, right, we're all going to do it because unless you all do something, it's going to have no effect. Do you know what I would say, just in, in counter to that one, Carl? Um, I, I see what you're saying. And yeah, you're, you're quite right. I mean, what I could do is I could just uh, buy my season ticket and then just not go to games. Uh, but uh, that's not a solution that uh, works really for anybody. And it doesn't look great. But an empty stadium, um, you know, also talks. However, Arsenal are more reliant on match day revenue. We all know that. Uh, for a big chunk of their revenue. However, they're also reliant on things like the Adidas deal. Now, Adidas 
Uh, Arsenal, Stan Kroenke might not care about what Arsenal fans or a collective, a large collective of a global community think about him or what he's doing. But I can bet your bottom dollar that Adidas do. I can bet your bottom dollar that there are a whole host of sponsors who are looking at that situation now and saying, this isn't right. If, if there isn't somebody within Adidas that is in contact at Arsenal having serious words and saying, look, you're, you are an investment uh, because of who you are and your actions have massively tarnished your brand. But actually, you've also, as a result, you've tarnished our brand as well. So my view on that one is that's where you, your voice being heard, collective of people coming together and saying this isn't acceptable. Um, those those big brands, they, they do listen. The Emirates will listen. They'll have big PR teams and they'll be thinking, no, nah, we can't be affiliated. We can't be associated. I'm not saying that Adidas are going to suddenly put a statement out saying, you know, we're not going to be sponsors of Arsenal anymore. We're not going to make the kits anymore. Of course, that's not going to happen. But there will be repercussions from a sponsorship point of view, I'm sure. Oh, oh yeah, I believe Liverpool lost a sponsor, a watch sponsor today, didn't they? Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure who the sponsor is, but... Yeah, a watch sponsor, Liverpool lost. So brands are listening. They don't want to be associated with shit, basically. Um, and this is why it makes me laugh even more that that lot up the road are going to have a even a harder time trying to get a stadium sponsor because no one's going to want to sponsor them. No one's going to want to put their name to that shit that they've done or that the collective six clubs did. So it's going to get even harder for them. I don't care. I hope it does get harder for them. But as we sort of move the conversation on, Danny, you, you brought up nicely, so I guess we, we can segue over to it. Um, and I believe a lot of people talk, spoke about it in the chat as well. You talk about um, Sky and BT and all the TV companies. Don't you think that they need to be targeted as well? And I know what you said, but we were talking about just pre-pod about Sky don't care. Like, it, what makes me laugh is that Sky done this whole thing on Monday Night Football, this whole package. They made it free to air just so people could listen to Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher rant about the Super League. Now, you know that was pure propaganda. Like, the only reason why Sky gave this so much care and attention is because they didn't get the TV rights. That's the reason why. Because I guarantee if... This Super League have gone to Sky and said, you know what? We want you to be the primary sponsor about showing the games. I guarantee Sky wouldn't have been this bothered. They wouldn't have. They wouldn't even have even finished the question before they'd have shouted yes. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So that's the only reason why Sky were that bothered. And the propaganda, the machine that is Sky that went out is absolutely ridiculous. And I have a personal affiliation in this. When there was racism in football, they didn't dedicate a whole hour to racism in football, did they? They just done a little uh, five-minute piece. It makes me laugh that because Sky were going to get hit in their pocket, it just the, the, the propaganda machine just made me laugh. It really, really did. Just ridiculous. Um, so, Danny and Chris, I guess this question is to you. Do you feel that the, the, the next target of this fan movement after the owners and you sort of like your, your in-house problems in within the club needs to be the TV broadcasters because like we were saying pre-pod, I think it's unfair that they will schedule a London club to play away at Newcastle on a kickoff at eight o'clock 
on a Monday evening where the fans have no way of getting home. That's not fair. Or what they do is Boxing Day, where we all know that trains are shit on Boxing Day. They don't really run. National Royal never really runs Boxing Day. And they'll have, like, Southampton versus flipping Newcastle or Southampton versus Manchester United, where you can't get up there unless you drive. And then even then, you're having to get up at three o'clock in the morning on a Boxing Day to go and travel. Like, for me, Sky and the broadcasters and BT Sports have to be the next target. So what do you do with that? I'll let, I'll let Chris answer that, then I'll steal some of his ideas because he's probably got a better answer. <laughs> uh, I think it's really difficult. I think it's difficult because the Super League was born from a collective of 12 clubs getting together with their greed. Um, and it wasn't, it, it's, it's clear now that it wasn't really that well thought out in terms of the way that they manage it. But Sky and BT have been, like it or not, an institution within English or British, the British national football uh, scene for literally decades. And I think culturally, we are, as a society of football fans, we are more embedded and, and used to this. What's happened with the Super League is that the world turned upside down overnight and we just rebelled. What's happened over a, a period of decades is that you've had this entity that's been allowed to grow and and grow fat off of the uh, off of the product that is the Premier League. And so I think it's I don't know if it's impossible, but I think it's really difficult to wrestle control from the likes of Sky, BT, the broadcasters, because the way that obviously the Premier League as well set up their blocks of games that they sell. So if you're going to be targeting the broadcasters, I think you also need to target the Premier League as well, because they're the ones that sell the rights. And I don't even know where to begin with that, unless you start to look at what Gary Neville was talking about, which is an independent regulator, or you talk, you start to look Oh, he's exploded with excitement with, with, that, with that answer. And that, well, I'll stop when if it when Chris comes back. But Carl, you brought up something about the, the Boxing Day games. Did you know that up until maybe 30 years ago, your Boxing Day games would be Spurs home, then Spurs away? They did that, then it'd be Liverpool, be Everton home, then Liverpool be Everton, then be Liverpool. That's something they should look at bringing back because you can usually walk from one place to the other. They should have derby games. I mean, obviously, Man United would have a problem because all their fans are in London. But um, <laughs> I, I understand what you're saying. And Boxing Day should be a derby game. Like, every every city has got a derby. And even if, like, you think there's Northern clubs, there's Midlands and South, and even if, what's the most furthest South club? I want to say Southampton, which I'm probably right. So they can play a London club. It wouldn't be, that's not that far. But that, that should be. Now, Danny, like you said, back in the day, it used to be like that. So you would think that, why can't that happen now? You know, I know they want, I know people want to see the big blockbuster game on Boxing Day, which is, and uh, this uh, randomised computer, um, which, as we both know, it's not randomised at all, is it? It's uh, they 
put fixtures in a certain place for the broadcasters and then the broadcasters can handpick them and say, okay, we'll move this one from a Saturday to a Sunday. Um, it's just, for me, it's really bad that how the Premier League and the and Sky and BT and all the teams because they treat the fans. It's, it's terrible. And like Chris was saying, and Chris is back now, so I'm going to let him finish his um, point off uh, about our independent regulator, which I think is a good idea. But Chris, sorry, go on what you were saying. Yeah, I think that, that I was pretty much just finished there. It's either you go down the route of an independent regulator or you get government to, to regulate for you. But that's dangerous when you're going down the government route because... I'm just not sure how that works. I'm probably not really educated enough to, to explain that. But sorry, go on, Carl. Yeah, so for me, I just think that when TV um, channels decide to, you know, move all the games about, rightly so, they apparently put in this blind bid. And let's be very honest, I don't really believe it's a blind bid. It's Sky have won the contract so many years in a row after a while you've got to start questioning whether it really is a, a blind bid for all these uh, TV rights deals but for me something has got to be done um, because the way fans are treated the way how can you put a game on knowing that fans can't get home or knowing that everyone the majority of people work a nine to five job now if you want to go away to watch Newcastle on a Monday night and you live in London, that's a, what, four-hour journey to Newcastle by train. Um, so you're having to miss maybe two or days of work to go and support the club that you want. Now, I'm not saying you can't change the days, but have it like, you don't need to put a London club on a Monday, have it on a Sunday, have it on a Saturday. It's just the way that fans are treated, it's just ridiculous. And Sky have the, the balls and audacity to dedicate a whole hour of programming to protect their brand, protect their money, because they don't want um, they, they don't want obviously the big clubs. And let's say that the the Premier League would never survive without those six clubs. It would because no one's going to pay to watch Aston Villa versus Burnley and charge them silly amounts of money, fifty pound a month. So the Premier League would never. So the Premier League is never going to survive. And Sky would have absolutely collapsed because everyone who has a Sky Sports subscription would have cancelled straight away. So that's why that propaganda machine came out. But for me, I think the next target has to be Sky and um, BT Sports. It has to be those because without fans, as they keep saying, football is nothing. Now, at a certain time when people get back to whatever normality this world is going to be after COVID, I don't think fans are going to put up with it anymore. They're not going to be able to take a day off and just say, right, or even two days off to say, right, I'm going up to Newcastle to go and watch a game of football because that's not going to work these days. So who knows? I, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm lost to find out what the answer is. And I, I'm, I'm sure people out there probably screaming this is the answer this is the answer but like Chris said fans have a voice and we need to be heard now the same energy that we put in for leaving the Super League is the same energy now we then need to go towards Sky and say this is not right this has got to change we have to come together as one and we did it with the 20s plenty thing 
with the away um, tickets not costing more than £20. So we can make a difference. All fans can come together and make a difference. And maybe now it's time for us to come together again and make a difference. Um, I agree with that. Loki, who's uh, an old gooner like me, he says, Boxing Davy Spurs, 1983, 2-0 in front of a 52,000-plus crowd. I just had a look. 79 Spurs away, 80 Palace at home. 81, 82, we didn't play. We had big gaps over Christmas. 83 was Spurs. I think 84 was Spurs again. 85, I think, was maybe um, an, another local one. Then after that, they got rid of the Boxing Day games. And uh, Ikiwara there says, police knocked Boxing Day games on the head. So they'd had enough of it, um, which is a shame because it's really easy for people to go and do those things. But yet again, it's another thing that they don't give a fuck about because they want to have the big games towards the end of the season when there's very little to play for when Man City have run away with the league and they go, oh, we've got a North London derby here or we've got a Liverpool-Everton derby, Merseyside derby or something like that. They want to save those games to the end of the season to get people watching because most of the time it's pointless. But I, I do like your point about the um, 20s plenty and all those other things. But there was a saying someone famous once said, if the product is free, then you are the product. Well, we are the product and we're paying for the product. We're both ends of it, which so that isn't right. And every year, like I rang up Sky a few years ago. I've got my, my TV, my phone, my, my house phone and my broadband with those. And I was paying £31 a month. And I've been back and had a look through the last three years. Every, every, every six months, it goes up by two or three quid. It's up to £51 now. And I just have the basic Sky HD package. I've not turned my sitting room, that big telly, I've not turned it on since Christmas. I watch every, I download all the TV episodes I want. And I watch them on my PC, 32-inch screen here. I've not done, I don't do anything on that big telly anymore, so I need to ring them up and tell them that I'm, I'm not going to have it. But they'll just keep putting the prices up because these, like with Amazon, Amazon had a 10-year plan for their shareholders. We're not making any money for the first 10 years or 15 years. We're just going to undercut everybody, lose money, but then eventually, long-term, we'll make the money back um, but lots and lots. And that's what Sky have done. They put all that money in for the infrastructure. We're like, notice now in the old days, your Skybox, the Skybox was yours. Now the Skybox is loaned to you. So they loan you all of the equipment. So they can take it back whenever they want because you don't own it. And every single time it goes up and up. And I think someone put a, um, a screen grab up on, um, on Twitter the other day for, it might have been a Southampton game on BT Sport, fourteen ninety five to watch Southampton play somebody. It wasn't Spurs. It was maybe was one it of the Burnley? Huh? Yeah. Wasn't it someone shit? It was doing all this. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. Who's gonna oh, I you could pay me fourteen ninety five not to watch it. I'll have that. But the amount of money they get, and it's never ever gonna go down. We need to as a fans go, no, we're not gonna do it. We're not having it. We're not if you want us to pay for it, we're not having adverts. Because you're not getting money out of us and money out of the adverts to pay to us when we're paying for it all. We're not having it. Chris? Do you know the problem is, though, is that the domestic fan is, and this is why I made a joke right at the start, on the legacy fan. That's what they, that's what this Super League, the uh, one Super League CEO or board member supposedly said. That's the rumours. Uh, we're seen as legacy. We're not the, uh, people like me aren't the target market. I'm not, I pay, a, I pay my grand for a season ticket at Arsenal. I go along, I'll buy an occasional programme. I barely ever go into the, the club shop, if I'm honest with you. I'm not the target market. They don't really care about me. I mean, the 2020 is a, it was a good PR move. Um, but what they're after is the global market. What's the point in one Chris Howard when you can have um, 
100 million other people from across the globe watching it. And that's why they changed the time frames. That's why they changed the TV stuff to maximise the global audience. And so that's also why I don't know how we change that part of it, because I think that Sky and BT are looking at that global audience and the TV rights. And well, actually, sorry, the Premier League, it's not you know, it is Sky, but it's also the Premier League. And they work in unison, don't they, as a as a as a collective, because the Premier League sell the global rights and Sky and BT take the domestic rights. But ultimately, um, I've been in the States and watched an Arsenal game which is being streamed via BT Sports. So I know that that streaming happens. Um, I don't know. I don't have an answer. Carl? Is it going to change, no. Carl? How much can... I, I, I'm concerned about the fact, like I was saying earlier, the magic trick. Watch, they're doing something else that we don't know about. They crumbled too quickly. This on on Monday morning it was announced. On on Tuesday night it had finished. Now that's that's a hell of a lot of organisation, and all they had up was a poxy website that I could have done on WordPress in about three hours. So they probably had someone do it in in an hour. That's all they had. So if how much more can we make them do like like a, a Rolling Stone gathers moss or something like that? I don't know. Um, how much more can we can we get out of this and keep up this this impetus of no we want change we want this we want that we want a lifetime ban if someone's going to be racist we want var changing or putting in the bin like the other things you were saying realistically i don't think we'll get anything else it'd be nice to get something else to get the perfect league unfortunately we're never going to have the perfect league no the perfect league what does it even look like what Person A wants is not what person B wants. Everyone has their own idea of what should be. I'm sure there's less people who get rid of VAR to look at the perfect league. But as to what fans want, it, I think it's probably as good as this is going to get at the moment. Um, we're not going to be able to change uh, game times. We've been trying uh, for ages and ages and ages to try it and it's never happened. Uh, whether it happens now, who, who knows? Um, we've just managed to get the 20s plenty um, thing through, which was really, really good. And that was a lot of fan pressure. Um, so that's that's really good. But how far can we actually go? How like how far can we push the broadcasters and the Premier League to, to get what we want? No, no more stupid away games on a, on a Monday night when you can't get home. No more stupid games um, at city kickoff times. No more... Um, no more flipping just... I don't know. No more high subscription fees from Sky. Do you know what I mean? It, it is, it's... I don't know. I, I'm wary of asking for too much sometimes. And getting it because if you get it then what's next what what how how far do you go do you think okay we're now going to try to implement rule changes do you now want to implement um other things it's i don't know my 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 heart says that we should try to change what is broken in football which is the game times and not looking out for fans Will we, my head says nothing will happen because unfortunately the entity that is the Premier League and Rupert Murdoch 
is not going to listen to it. At the end of the day, people want to watch their football clubs. They want to, if they can't get into the grounds, then they want to watch them on TV. And they're going to, any way, any means necessary, they're going to do it. Now, a lot of people stream, and I don't know if you saw it in the newspaper a little while ago, where there's a group of guys that uh, were selling subscriptions to Premier League games and they got five years in jail. And then subsequently just come out that there was a paedophile who got six months in jail, which was just absolutely mind-blowing. So that's going to show you how much the Premier League want to protect that brand. They want people to buy those high subscription fees. The problem is fans are going to do it. Now, for anybody listening, I always pay Sky. I pay Sky loads of money. Um, realistically, I have a fire stick. I haven't paid for football in God knows how long, and I don't intend to either. Um, because Sky have priced it out. Now, I earn a very decent wage, but I don't want to give that decent wage to Sky. Why should I? There are people who are struggling, and football is their little bit of enjoyment. Maybe not watching Arsenal because... God knows no one watches Arsenal for enjoyment. But you, you, get what I, you get what I mean. It's football, it's just that breakaway from reality that gives you, for 90 minutes, just gives you that little bit of, I don't know, joy, if you can call it joy for flipping them, watching Arsenal again. But and if you can't do that and you happen to pay £50 a month just to watch Arsenal, then you're not going to do it, are you? So... And I'm not saying football should be free because if football was free, it wouldn't happen. It just wouldn't happen. Football being free is um, something that we're never going to get. But I don't know. The answer is probably beyond what us three can come up with. It's just um, ridiculous. But there's going to have to be a time where something is going to have to give. The Premier League is going to go bust soon. It, this can't carry on. It's going to happen. There's going to be a time when maybe Rupert Murdoch says, well, we can't afford to pay $5 billion to Sky or how much it is to the Premier League to fund TV rights. So then BT Sports are going to be like, well, I don't know, we're not going to pay this much. So the Premier League is start thinking, uh-oh, we don't have enough money for all the prize money, parachute payments, everything that comes along with what they give to the clubs. So... Then what happens? If the Premier League goes bust, Chris, I'm going to throw you under the bus right now, sorry, but if the Premier League goes bust, what happens? What happens to all those 20 clubs and all those clubs with parachute payments and all those clubs that have bought players knowing that they're going to get guaranteed income from the Premier League from TV money? I don't think that the Premier League will go bust, not unless you had a situation like the Super League because the Premier League sells its right now. The Premier League has seen dwindling revenues, and the, the rumours were that the, the next round of bidding on the um, on the packages that the Premier League puts together might see that decline, but it will never decline to a point in which. Um, so, so all that would happen is the amount of if the if the package if the package for Premier League um, spots. Uh, matches declines, then what they pass on to the Premier League teams declines. So the Premier League won't go bust. Uh, Premier League teams might experience problems, but then 
what happens is you then get a, a situation where teams themselves might find themselves in financial difficulties. It might become more difficult to break into the top echelons because you have the haves and the have-nots, the billionaire owners and the, those that have just managed to accumulate wealth over a period of time. Um, but I can't see an instance where the Premier League goes bust. I can see instances where teams lower down the division in the Premier League overspend, um, get relegated, and we've seen that um, a number of times. You've got the likes of Wigan who have gone uh, got, gone into administration. You've got Leeds United that have had the perils uh, when they were first relegated all those years ago. Um, Aston Villa, before they had their own, had problems. They're all, it, it happens to a lot of these teams, but the Premier League will, will always survive unless something like the Super League happens. And, it, and the big teams take their toys, they take their football and say, we're not playing anymore. Very true. Um, well, we've done an hour and 20 minutes. Um, before we do questions, Carl, do you think there's any, any, any ramifications towards Arsenal with, with, to these six teams? Um, any punishment? And we've already, Vinay has finally made it onto the European Football Council thing. He got there March and now he's walked out. Apparently, you know, there's nothing about it. The Standard reported that they want all the, the CEOs of all six clubs to step down. It's been announced that announced that Agnelli, Agnelli is leaving Juventus, that Woodward is leaving Man United. There's um, people saying that uh, Vinay, who I feel sorry for because he's worked his way up from a T-boy, uh, all the way through so many different jobs to get to one of the top jobs at the club. And now people are saying that, that, that he should go, like um, Superflea is putting in our chat, 10 points deduction. Um, is anything going to come? Or are they just going to go, fair enough, everybody, off we go. Uh, there's even talk of the teams being kicked out of Europe. No, that, um, any talk of that would have swiftly been um, halted through legal ramifications I think the teams would have taken UEFA to court and I think the court of arbitration of sport probably would have favoured in in favour of the teams um I don't think there'll be any punishment for the league the teams because um they don't want the Premier League don't want that fight the Premier League do not want to fight with the yeah they don't want to fight with those big with those big teams. So they're not, they're definitely not going to do that. Not in the slightest at all. Um, I can't see it. The, the thing is, the, the punishment's already been done because of the reputation of all those six clubs. So for me, that's, that's um, punishment enough. And I'm not just saying this from an Arsenal point of view. I'm saying this as a football um, standpoint. But no, I can't see the Premier League ever saying, right, we're going to deduct you all 10 points or for one season, you're going to, I don't know, go play in the first division, sorry, the championship. It's not going to happen. I think this now is a swept under the carpet. Don't, you've been a naughty boy, smack on the bottom, don't do it again. And that's it. I think that's, I think that, I think as where as we go right now, that's it. The it's it's bad. What the the reputation of now of Arsenal, Tottenham, Man United, Man City, and Chelsea are in tatters. They are, and there's it's going to take a lot to try and get that back. And for me, when I look at Arsenal, I don't see a club now of um who was put their fans first. I see it now a club 
that is all about money. It is not a football club anymore. It's now a business. Um, and that's the way that the owners want to run it. And we can try our best to try and get them out of the club. And I genuinely hope that we do. I hope that the protests, the safe protest on Friday, and I've got to stress, please be safe, people. I genuinely hope it really rattles the conkeys. I hope it shakes them to the core. And I hope that they do sell to an owner who wants the best for Arsenal, just doesn't see Arsenal as a business. He sees it as a football club and wants to run it as a football club. And hopefully that happens. But I don't want any punishment for any of the six clubs. I I, I really don't. I hope they do, they get That's told. They get. Oh, is that, is uh, that a little from column A, a little from column B? I think. But I truly hope that you know it's do this again, and then there will be punishment. There will be ramifications because it it needs to happen. But on this occasion, stop. But if do you know what? If there is punishment, I don't think I'll. You know, you just have to, um, you have to shrug your shoulders, don't you? Just hold your hands up and be like, it is what it is. But one just quick point, Danny, which makes me laugh, is that the newspapers have already made Chelsea and Man City out to be the good guys in this because they were the first two to pull out. Let's make this clear. Man City and Chelsea are the reason for this happening. It is absolutely those two. FFP was an absolute fail by UEFA. Absolute fail. Hasn't worked. And the reason why clubs need to overspend and buy players that for 70 mil, where normally they would cost 30 mil, is because of the likes of Man City and Chelsea who over overspend buying players so that it just inflates the price of every other player in the world. Mm. That's my two cents. Any thoughts, Chris? Uh, yeah, I think... Um, Manchester City and Chelsea, it's easy to uh, pull out of a Super League when you've got a billionaire owner that can uh, bankroll you. Uh, it's quite easy to to snaffle up that goodwill. Um, I agree. I, I can't really echo. I can only echo what Carl's just said. And they are one of the reasons the, um, the attempt to... Uh, effectively rebuild history on the back of a pound note is the reason why we're in this position because of these oligarchs and the billionaires. It's the reason probably why the likes of Enos Stanley Cronkey got interested in Arsenal in the first place because he thought this is a haven for billionaires. Actually, that's not true. He thought he could make a, a few bucks and by the sounds of it, like I said earlier, he's, uh, if, if the numbers are right, he's made about £400 million through the value of his shares without actually putting in. That's profit he's made over Arsenal. Sad. Yeah, it's not good. Um, right, then we got, there was a, another point that came up. Someone made it, and I can't remember what it is. Um, right, questions. Do you want to do the questions, Carl? No, go on, Danny. Okay, thank you. Right, um, someone called Ellis Mahel. Says uh, for you, Carl. This is probably seems fan pressure has motivated the big six to drop down, drop out of the ESL. Do we think fans could unite like this for other issues such as Sky BT, expensive payroll, shitty fixtures, and KSC ownership? We have kind of covered that, but yes or no? Do you think it was, it's going to happen? Do you think this is the end of it? There's going to be a lot, of, a lot of fan pressure. There definitely is going to. Whether the likes of BT Sky, Cronky, listen. We don't know. So I'm going to say yes, but I have 
lot of hope, but little faith. Okay, question for you, Chris, from Julio Salmondo. Is uh, I think he's in Peru at the moment looking for bears. He says, it's easy now in hindsight, but how would you have felt if the ESL went ahead and we weren't in it? That's the question I was going to ask. Would we have, would we have the hump? On another Arsenal podcast, although we didn't agree, we didn't agree with it. They were relieved we were in it. That is a good question. Well, that's Arsenal's argument, isn't it? That's what Arsenal's argument themselves would be is, well, it's better to be on the inside um, looking out than on the outside looking in. And my personal opinion as fans, I think it would have been nice to have taken the moral high ground. I think a few years down the line, certainly that frustration would have been clear, particularly if the other clubs, let's just say it was four clubs or three clubs, let's just say it was Man City and Man United and Liverpool, that, that went into a Super League. Um, it would, there's part of me that would be a bit like, well, <laughs> give us a better chance of winning the Premier League. That's what, that's what um, I thought. It'd be us and West Ham and Leicester fighting for the title every year, like the old days. <laughs> the, value, the value of winning it when there's not those teams in it uh, would not be great. But equally, I, would, I, 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 I was dismayed because the other side of that is you join an ESL and, and that means you don't win the Premier League. Unless the Premier League keep you in it, which they could, but they were threatening to kick you out. So imagine playing just a competition where you've only got one chance of winning a trophy like the NFL and that chance is pretty much against you because you've got, you've got other billionaire owners who will just pump extra hundreds of millions in it on top of the money that they've already got. It's very true. Um Yes, right. Um, uh, oh, you can both take this one. A, a yes or no from Julio Salmondo. Would you have preferred Usmanov to have taken over, Cal? Hi, <laughs> that's a wonderful thing. Um, looking at the way Everton are run, I'm going to say yes. Oh, Chris, yes or no? No. Uh, man is a reprehensible human being. Uh, he's shady as can be. And also, Everton have only just really this season moderately performed better than us. Now, we play them on Friday. I don't know how many points close we're going to be to them. But, you know, Everton, they've spent money, but they haven't spent it well. So I don't wouldn't say they've run particularly well. So, yes, long story short, no. If we beat them, we go ahead of them in the table on goal difference. But we aren't going to beat them, are we? Uh, right. Next question for uh, Carl. This is from I Claudius. Uh, I haven't proofread these, and I don't know if we already covered them, as we found out with Bellis's question. What do we think of the repercussions, punishments will be? Is there any realistic chance of points being docked, expulsion from Europe next year? No, we've covered it a little bit, but will anything happen? No, they definitely will not expel them from Europe because if they did, simply hello. Like so, yeah, I can't see. Any exposure from Europe, I can't see any points deductions that just won't happen. Because all they'll say is, well, we spoke about joining it, but we didn't actually join the league. So, you know, we didn't put in the papers to say, we're definitely going to leave, we're going to go. They just say, yeah, we spoke about it, we were going to do it, but we decided not to. So I think the fact that they decided not to is definitely spared the Premier League uh, from punishing any clubs. Chris? Uh, I don't think so because those uh, 12 clubs are the most powerful clubs in terms of their financial pressure and the clout that they have globally. So I can't see 
anything happening. UEFA and the Premier League uh, need those 12 clubs in order to be as successful as they are. So, no. Um, right, Carl Divune says, if Kroenke takes Arsenal to the America, how likely are we to start a new fan-owned club, the likes of Wimbledon FC, MK Don's situation, which is an odd one because both clubs still exist, and then FC United of Manchester, they had a good start, and now they've, they've, I think they got relegated last season. You've got Dial Square, which is our, our very own mate Jock, is uh, something to do with those, and Ian Selly is, is, I think he's a patron of those, or is on the board or something like that. I saw a tweet recently. Um, do you think anything like that is going to happen? Nah, I, I can't see it. Arsenal fans can't even agree. <laughs> That's my answer. <laughs> um, whether Ozil is a good enough player or should have gone or... So, yeah, um, any breakaway club was was never going to be formed in an Arsenal name, I don't think. Have you got any thoughts on that, Chris? That's an interesting question. That, that's, a, that's a full house for me. We we can't even, you know, people don't even know if they're on the side of Xhaka or not. So I don't know how they're going to get together to form a, a, a unified football team. We'd have FC Arsenal of Dar Square, FC Dar Square of Arsenal, <laughs> FC, FC Gunners FC, Arsenal Gunners FC. We'd have about 12 different factions it'd be like it'd be like the what is it the governments in libya where there's like 12 different governments or something the people's liberation people's um judea's fund of liberation oh, <laughs> the um the monty python's life of brian that one which i've only seen about a dozen times and i can't remember how it goes um right one here from jeffy o'hara are we happy that uefa you can have this carl that uefa still has all the big clubs by the balls while they don't care about ffp racism or corruption that's a podcast on its own isn't it yeah i I said in this podcast that i wish that the same energy that um uefa put into trying to stop the super league they put the same into trying to stop racism in within their different competition because for me they don't take racism seriously whatsoever um, and it's sad it's really sad that it only comes down to money it's only because the UEFA are going to lose money from those 12 clubs leaving that they put all this energy and couldn't believe it happening but when players are racially abused on the football pitch they don't have this sort of energy or this sort of shock value which is, is sad Um UEFA are going to pander to those 12 clubs because they need those 12 clubs. Those 12 clubs, like Chris said, are could be, are the most powerful clubs in Europe, barring PSG, um, PSG Dortmund and um, Bayern. So, yeah, they need those 12 clubs um, on side. So... Whereas that's the reason why they're expanding the Champions League so they can get more clubs to play more games to uh, guarantee more income. Because really and truly, that's what it's all about. It's all about income. Righto. Now, I've got a couple of other things just to cover. Um, Christian Anderson, Andreas Andreasen, is a... I think he's Norwegian... I should know, or Danish, he's got cows. He was messaging me on Twitter. Uh, He says, uh, well, this may well be a statement or it may well be a question. There's no question marks, but I'll read it. Do you believe this whole mess will change anything for the better for fans and for football in general? Or will things stay exactly the same? As nothing happened and fans are still um, paying 
like sheep uh, just still playing like sheep i think kse is a cynical business with arrogant people in charge so no change i've personally not seen many games this season no fans and var is just not doing it for me on top of that it's so expensive to watch it on tv and now with the shitty way the club have behaved it doesn't exactly make me want to follow more closely sad times i think that's more of a statement that's good um Oh, it's terrible that I can't remember which of those countries he's from. He's going to tweet me later and I'll and get one of his cows to shit on me. Uh, Jimmy has sent us a question from Twitter. I might not be able to watch the show, but can I ask, do you think this will end up end? This will be the end of Stan. If so, how much pressure will fans have to put on him to sell up and will there be a buyer? As no point in asking for a new owner if no one is willing to buy Chris. What do you think? Well, I mentioned that the African guy who is like he's the richest guy in Africa, I think. I'm sure his name is Dagot, his surname or Dagot, something like that. He's the one everyone keeps talking about. So there's your buyer, and he's shown interest. That's the first one. Um, there you go. Uh, Superfleet Aliko Dan Dango sale. Dango is worth 8.3 billion. There you go. He can afford that 2.8 billion then from uh, from buying out the Cronky shares. Um, yeah, I. Do I think this is the end of Cronky? I think it depends entirely on how badly affected he is via the pandem pandemic through the cost of his LA Rams stadium and, the, and the, uh, the amount of money that's wrapped up and then how he has been impacted um, as a result of the, the pandemic and the loans that he's taken up. Okay, final question, Carl, is from Matt Roberts, who's in the chat. He has said, what do you think about the upcoming Everton game? Protests potentially being part of it. Is this the time for the players to say enough is enough? And uh, he says, also a supplementary question, are you annoyed by the injuries we have? Could it affect the Villarreal match? Who plays at left back and striker now? An actual footballing question. I know, it's really weird to, to have a footballing question. Um, Everton are going to be no pushovers, let me make that clear. Um, they have I just hope the Wogan plays, they get a hat-trick. I never want Arsenal players to down tools and I always want Arsenal to win. So I don't want them to just stop playing. Um, who plays up front? It's got to be Eddie, isn't it? Eddie uh, is probably the most experienced of us. Because really and truly, striker-wise, we only... We only have Eddie. I know that Pepe can play up front, but we have Eddie. So Eddie, Eddie uh, Balogun, he'll be in and around the squad, won't he? So Martinelli. really, truly, and Martellini, whether he trusts Martellini to play up front, I don't know. Um, if, you, if you're looking at a striker, you are going to play Eddie and Eddie up front. Let's be very honest. Or if not, it's going to be Martellini. Um at left back, you're going to have to play Cedric. Cedric is fit. I personally wouldn't keep playing um, Xhaka at left back, but Arteta is going to do that because as much as I love Arteta, he has no tactics. And once he's found something that semi-works, he will stick with that. Um, I don't want that to become Xhaka's new position. I think he you got to play Cedric um, and if he could play Callum Chambers at right back, play at right back if he doesn't trust um, Bellerin, because it does seem like Bellerin is on his way out because he's getting less and less game time. And this is the way of getting them out of your club. If you don't give them as much game time and you start dwindling them, you start subbing them because he got subbed in the uh, Fulham game, I believe. So, um, yeah, 
the injuries are coming at the very, very wrong time. I don't want to see a double pivot ever again of El Nene and um, Ceballos because that was never going to work, was it? it at that Fulham game, I don't know what Arteta saw in training where he thought that Ceballos and El Nene was the answer to our midfield problems because it really, really wasn't. So um, to answer Matt's question, I personally would play Eddie up front because I don't think that we haven't seen Marcelini play there yet. So unless in training he shows something brilliant this weekend, Arteta looks at him and says, okay, yeah, cool. Eddie can get you a goal. Doesn't always do it, but he can get you a goal. Just like on on Sunday, he pops up with a goal. So Eddie at striker and Cedric at left back. Chris, would you like for the first time this podcast to actually give some of your tactical information and what you think <laughs> we're going to do at left back and uh, at striker? I think uh, for Everton, he needs to rotate. And um, the challenge that he's got with um, Xhaka or Chambers is the Chambers is a bit more mobile, but Xhaka doesn't have that mobility that um, you would expect. Everton will try and counter with pace because they have pace in, the, in their flanks. I think that would be a worry for Arteta. But I think actually also he's looking at Villarreal game. And the benefit of Xhaka at left-back is that all of the action is in front of him. And the man's got a turning circle of a Ford Mondeo, so you don't want him turned. And he's unlikely to be turned if he's facing the same direction. So I think Xhaka will play against Villarreal. I think he will play the likes probably of Cedric. He'll probably play Bellerin against Everton as well because um, he's going to rotate a bit. Uh, up front, I wouldn't mind seeing Martinelli, to be honest with you, because I think he is direct. He will make runs in into channels. And if you've got someone, if Erdegaard is fit, which by the sounds of it, team news, there's been some team news that has come up today that he's, he's being assessed. He looks like the one that might be fit. You've got somebody to slip balls into the likes of Martinelli. Excellent. Right. We've uh, we've done an hour and 40 minutes. Just imagine if Chris would have been here. Jesus. Oh, he wouldn't have even finished his opening monologue yet. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's uh, um, we are, there's another Josh. Someone has changed his name to other Josh, who Josh Robinson, who's regularly sends in questions. I think I might do a preview show. I might get Josh to come on for that. Um, Mr. Waffles is in the chat, who did a preview show recently. Um, um What's his name? Matt. Matt is in there somewhere as well. He did a preview show. I'm going to try and get uh, as many new people on to do those. If I can be bothered, uh, YouTube analytics are fucked us over and I don't give a shit about us anymore, so uh, that's why I can't be bothered. Right. Um, on Friday, it's going to be... Stokes is going to turn up for a, um, a post-match show. That's going to be good. He, he, he bailed out of the last two. One because he thought it was off and the other one because he's had a naughty child that wouldn't stop being a child. And uh, who else? I don't know who's on with him. Could be. I know it won't be Chris. It won't be Ellis. And it won't be Jeff Arsenal. So there's nine other people in the group I can ask. And let's see how many of them have got. Uh, I should have a little chart, a flow chart of the excuses they've got. Ellis is the worst, isn't he, Carl? Because Ellis is not a key worker. That's the reason no. why. Key Saving people's like most my ass. Oh, you don't fucking do that. He sweeps the floor. Um, yeah, I bet he's just a cleaner in the hospital. Head of bloody A and E. No, if they ever met him, they wouldn't let him be ahead of a spoon. Anyway, <laughs> right, we're going to go. Uh, Chris, thank you very much for joining us. Where can people find you on the Twitters and your blog? Uh, at Suburban Guna is the um, Twitter, and then it's suburbangunas.com is the uh, blog. 
And how often do you put blogs out? Because I don't read blogs. Oh, actually, Mike, um, Mike McDonald, I've told him uh, a while ago, I said, you should start doing audio blogs where you read your blog as well as print the blog. And he's done it, and it's bloody he good. Does he does stuff in Gunnerstown. He's very it's good. good. He's very good. Every idea. single day. I write every day. Oh, how long have you been doing that for? That's ages, years. Eight years, nine years, I think. How do you how do you keep it up? Do you just start putting uh, what you had for breakfast? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like it. Yeah. But uh, uh, it's habitual. It's become a habit. <laughs> excellent. Will you come back again sometime? And I will see you tomorrow on uh, Same Old Arsenal podcast. We're on there at 6 p.m. on YouTube. You, me, Craig, and either Cookie, who's not Cookie, James, that's it. And um, why do I always forget his name and think his name's Arthur? His name's not bloody Arthur. And he looks about 20 and he's not, and he's fucking 40. He's doing something right. What's his name? Albert. Albert. I'm thinking it's some name that you um, would associate with someone, an old man off of Only Fools and Horses, Arthur, Albert. Yeah, either way, he's got a big white beard, and he's at 82 years old. Talking about old people with, with white beards, Carl, you have been, uh, you've been decidedly average this week, but still, Carl, you are my favourite, and you, you're so much better than the guests we had on last week. Frank, frankly, Carl, they were shit. You've been brilliant. Number one, white beard. What are you talking about? I'm making it up. Don't don't analyze no the shit. I can't Number two, we know that Josh is your favourite. We've already established in the group. <laughs> you saw the list. I did because it's the truth. Josh <laughs> is your favourite. Josh is number one. Then it's Jeff Arsenal. Josh is number three, and then it's either put Femi, and then Josh is uh, number four, and then how many Ellis, but Ellis is nobody's favourite. So uh, that's but a lie there. How many of ABW have I met? How many have hugged me? And I'm still not your favourite. Personally, I just told you you were. You and Chris sitting there, you're my favourite. You're the best guests I've ever had. Last week's were rubbish. I'm sure Fridays are going to be rubbish as well. I don't know why I bother sometimes. Look at all them lot in the chat box. They've all been rubbish as well. I wonder how many people, thumbs up we've got. We get, people, we get this in the group all the fucking time. Lies. Danny puts out and then we'll say, I'm, like, I'm sorry, I'm on nights. He'll be like, you're on nights again? Yes, Danny, I do nights every seven weeks. So yes, I'm on nights again. And then they'll put another thing. You'll say, anyone available? No, Danny, I saw the nights. You're still on nights. Yes, Danny, I work seven nights in a row. Sorry, Danny, I cannot attend. Then he, he has a hissy fit. Then somehow we do manage to get a pod out every week because we've never managed. Or he'll just throw a at his crown. Right, I'm feeling poorly. I'm not doing this anymore. Blah, blah, blah. And everyone's just like, oh, okay. Anyway, Danny, you, you're going to do a pod today? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to do one. So... People, you're just getting the audio version of the type version that we get in our WhatsApp group. So, Danny, love you, but press the button. It's time to go. Thank you very much, everybody. Thumbs up, you scumbag. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog.